bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. The New American Daily takes the most important news stories of the day. We throw away the propaganda and bring you the truth. That makes us one of the most censored and attacked publications in America. So if you enjoy the show, please share these episodes with others and help us get the truth out. Now, President Donald Trump was ordered to pay $83 million in defamation damages on Friday. His lawyer held a fiery press conference afterward, blasting the trial's corrupt rules. Also, the New American's legal scholar, Joe Wolverton, will join us to provide legal perspective on the Trump trial and the border battle between Texas and the Biden administration. We have all that coming up. But first, last week, talk of civil war erupted. This was triggered by Texas's refusal to allow federal patrol agents near the border. By doing so, Texas was defying a Supreme Court ruling from last Monday that said the Lone Star State was legally obligated to let federal agents cut down razor wire that was installed to stop the unimpeded flow of illegal migrants. Texas had finally had enough. Governor Greg Abbott even put out a strong statement on Wednesday accusing the government of violating its pact with the states. In response, on Thursday, the Biden administration gave Texas 24 hours to let the feds in. Texas responded with a Lone Star-sized middle finger and doubled down on its position. And that's when all the chatter about civil war started. Would federal agents clash with Texas National Guardsmen over the border? Well, if the feds in question are Border Patrol agents, then the answer looks like a hard no. Because it turns out that Border Patrol agents detest Biden. On Friday, just before Biden's deadline expired, the Border Patrol Union said on social media platform X that its agents would not get in the way of Texas agencies that are working to secure the border. Border Patrol Union said, quote, rank and file Border Patrol agents are not going to start arresting Texas National Guard members for following their lawful orders. That's fake news. Rank and file Border Patrol agents appreciate and respect what Texas has been doing to defend their state in the midst of this catastrophe that the Biden administration has unleashed on America. We want to be perfectly clear. There is no fight between rank and file Border Patrol agents and the Texas National Guard, Governor Abbott or Texas DPS. A deeper look at the tweets of the Border Patrol Union makes it clear these people are no fans of the current White House occupant. There are several messages blaming the border chaos on Biden. Daily Wire's Ben Shapiro recently toured the border with Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council. Here's a little of what Judd told Shapiro. The government has what's called prosecutorial discretion. They can decide who they're going to prosecute and who they're not going to prosecute. They can also decide when they're going to prosecute these individuals. So what the Obama administration did was they started releasing people in mass, something that we had never seen before, and called it prosecutorial discretion, saying, well, we are going to put them in, we're, we're going to put them in deportation proceedings. They will see a judge later on down the road. Then when Trump came in, he ended what we call catch and release. And the moment he ended catch and release, we saw a drop in illegal immigration to 45-year lows. Um, I'd never seen anything like it before, as quickly as before, and, and I work with this, the administration on these policies. So then Biden comes in and he immediately, immediately got rid of all of the effective border policies that Trump had. And from day one, we saw a huge spike in illegal immigration. Not only did we see a huge spike in illegal immigration, but we saw a huge spike in the, in the amount of fentanyl 
that were on our streets. And the DEA has said that 95% of the fentanyl that we see on our streets is coming from Mexico. So under Trump, when we were able to control illegal immigration, we were also able to go after the cartels. And if we can go after the cartels, we can save Americans' lives. But now, because illegal immigration is, is sky high, we just don't have the ability to go after the cartels, and that's why we see so many, so, so much drugs on the streets today. You're gonna hear a lot of people say, well, let's throw more money at this issue. And, and I disagree with that 100%. That's, that's shifting the burden onto the taxpayer. We have the resources that we need. What we don't have is we don't have the policy. If we had the policy, we could control the border. We proved that under President Trump. The border crisis has become so destructive that it's become impossible for the Biden administration to ignore. So now they're trying to fool the American people into blaming Republicans for this mess. On Friday, the Biden White House released a statement claiming it had put together the toughest and fairest border security bill. Biden said the bill would allow him to shut down the border when it becomes overwhelmed. The text of the bill hasn't been released yet, but rumors about it already have Republicans declaring it dead on arrival. House Speaker Mike Johnson said if what he's heard about the bill is true, then it has no chance in the House. In a statement on Saturday, Johnson said, quote, according to reports, the Senate's pending proposal would expressively allow as many as 150,000 illegal crossings each month before any new shutdown authority could be used. At that point, Johnson said, America will have already been surrendered. Johnson also, also pointed out that the Biden administration already has the power to secure the border. Biden can end catch and release, cease exploitation of parole authority, reinstate the Remain in Mexico program, expand the use of expedited removal authority, and finish building the border wall. Furthermore, as Republicans remind the media, they've already drafted a bill that they think is perfectly good, and that's H.R. 2. But Democrats don't like that bill because it might actually work because it wouldn't allow thousands of migrants to enter our country every day. This mystery bill that Biden is touting is one that Oklahoma Senator James Lankford has been working with Senate Democrats on. It's suspected of being so bad that the Oklahoma GOP passed a resolution on Sunday condemning and censuring Lankford for it. Fox reporter Bill Belugin said that according to a source familiar with the bill, if enacted into law, it would permit 5,000 illegals into the country a day. MSM talking heads have already begun working the propaganda angle that Republicans and Donald Trump oppose the bill simply because they don't really want to secure the border. They just want to use the issue to help their campaigns. Langford appeared on Face the Nation on Sunday. In addition to talking about the bill, he had to deal with questions from an anchor with Trump derangement syndrome. Here's part of the interview. There's a lot of misinformation out there right now that, that I hear this comment that it waves in 5,000 people at hands out work permits. That all those things are not true. There's just a lot of Internet rumors that are running around on this right now. We're looking forward to getting the information out. Now, I can say there is no question, no matter what your political persuasion is, we would not have had the immigration crisis we're experiencing right now if President Trump would have been president the last three years. There's no way we would have had eight million people illegally cross our border because he would enforce those different authorities and would have made sure that we actually secure a border. But even while he was president, he was specifically asking Congress to change the standard on asylum, right. to be able to tighten up, to be able to give him additional funds for deportation. All of those things are in this bill. So if he were to be president, this would be new authorities that he had actually asked for when he was president before. 
So the deal you just said would give any future president and the current one new authorities. So on the trail, Trump has vowed to block legal immigrants based on their beliefs, to end birthright citizenship, to carry out mass deportations, and he uh, has not ruled out separating kids from their parents. Would you trust Donald Trump with these new authorities? I would actually, because these are not only new authorities that have been asked for by multiple presidents, whether it be President Trump, President Obama, President Bush before that, this is a basic thing that we have to have for our national security. When we talk about asylum, right now you cross the border and you literally say, I have fear in my country, and you're released into the United States and await a 10-year hearing. No one thinks that actually makes sense to have a 10 year backlog for just saying the magic words. I have fear in my country. We don't really know if they qualify for yeah. asylum. We don't know their criminal record. We don't know anything else about it. That absolutely has to change. That's been an issue for a very long time. That changes this in law. Joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of the New American Magazine, Steve Bonta. Steve, <laughs> we got like a few seconds, so I don't know if it's really worth getting into anything here, but we do have two different narratives here that I think we're crossing over into the next segment. Well, there's the truth and then there's the narrative. Yeah, well, what do you make of this? Like Langford is saying all these rumors, Bill Malugin of Fox says he's got inside sources saying this 5,000 cap is true. And Langford here is saying maybe not. So I guess we just have to wait till the bill's out, huh? I suppose, but it's but but you know the, the Biden administration, the Democrats are not going to support anything that goes counter to their revolutionary agenda of importing as many illegals as possible. Yeah, yeah, I, but that that seems to make sense. Uh, that's what they've been doing. We are going to discuss all sorts of elements about this border battle. We'll be right back. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. For more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call one 800 727 8783 Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800 727 8783. All right, welcome back, folks. So, Steve, you had some uh, good thoughts on this as far as the system was working way better than it was than it is now. And this isn't really about actually uh, restricting illegals into the country, not, not on the Democrat side, anyway, is it? Okay, well, I mean, first of all, we had a system that was working better than any previous approach that had been tried in a couple of generations under President Trump. 
the moment Biden and the Democrats took power, they jettisoned everything. Yeah. So that's on the primarily in the executive branch. They ended, you know, the state remain in Mexico policy, all the other stuff that Trump had done that was working, um, including, of course, obviously Trumpets had to turn the screws a bit on the Mexican administration, on AMLO's administration to say, look, you know, you either crack down on your side of the border or there are going to be serious repercussions in terms of trade and travel and all the rest. All of those things could be done anew. They aren't done because the Biden administration doesn't want to do them. And frankly, I'm not a fan of any new legislation. I, I have including HR two. I have HR two in front of me. It's a massive bill with hundred, you know, more than eight hundred different sections. And there's some parts of it that are good, but 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 first of all, it means more laws that are not needed. And second of all, more money be, that's not needed. Uh, more money that's not needed. I mean, we have sufficient resources as it is. And and third of all, you know, we're dealing with a fundamentally lawless administration. Okay, this is a problem with the separation of powers, is that if you vest all of the coercive power, the executive power and executive branch, that leaves the legislative branch with no way to coerce the executive branch to actually carry out the law, mm-hmm. okay, other than, say, impeaching everybody in mass. And obviously, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, they're having enough trouble even impeaching Mayorkas. We're told that's going to happen sometime this week, but we'll see. Bottom line, the Biden administration has already shown, and, it, and its captive Justice Department have already shown, that they simply will refuse, will decline to pursue anything, any legal action against anyone on their side. Okay, so we're seeing this, for example, with, uh, with the, the contempt of Congress cited. And the same was true with the, Biden, uh, with the Obama administration before them. They're simply lawless. So passing a law, even one as uh, allegedly objectionable to the Democrats as H.R. 2, will have zero effect on this administration because they'll simply ignore it. Mm. Okay, and they'll and they'll basically say, well, we've got an impeachment proof uh, majority in the Senate. Okay, so they're not going to be. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's not going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of us. We'll do whatever we want. That's been their attitude since the day Biden was sworn into office, and it's going to continue to be the case until the day. The, the only thing that seems to have a little bit of suasion is they're saying, okay, well then, fine, we're not going to fund uh, Ukraine or any of your other pet concerns anymore. And this is what needs to happen. Instead of all the grandstanding that we see, uh, they need to simply say, and I guess as a sort of passive-aggressive person, this would be my approach, just say, okay, you know what? Okay, we're done. We're yeah. not talking about it anymore. We're not going to argue about it. They have the power it. of the purse, we're, right? We're simply not going to authorize any more spending. And the Republicans, by the narrowest possible margin, do do have that power, at least, in yeah. the House. Well, and one of the things people are, and I think rightfully suggesting, is no funding bill should get past Congress without the border actually being secure. Because when you think about it, if we don't have a a border, we don't have a country. And so if you don't have a country, what's there to fund? You know, it's like they need conservatives, Republicans need to put their foot down, don't they? And this is this is the perfect battle. And what do you think of this propaganda angle that, of course, the Biden administration is working? I've seen and I don't know how real these accounts are on social media, but there are people who actually believe it. They're going around and saying it's the Republicans fault that the border is not secure. Well, of course, all the partisan tribalists will believe believe that the the issue is that you, you just said that, well, if we don't do X, we won't have a country. Well, that's precisely the point. OK, the Democrats and, and now I mean, I mean, this is probably painting too broad a brush, but the radical element that has taken total control Over the of the Democratic Party. Party wants to destroy the country. Yes. So they can replace it with something else. And there are still far too many people on the so-called right 
including a lot of feel-good Republican types, who willfully refuse to believe this, who refuse mm. to, that, that, that still persist in the delusion that, well, you know, they're making all these mistakes and, and yeah, it's deliberate, but it's just because it's, it's misguided and it's wrongheaded. But, but surely, you know, that we, we all love our country. That's not true. Okay. They don't love the country. They hate the country. They hate everything about it. Uh, they hate our free market capitalist system. They hate the fact that individuals in our country still enjoy so much, so much freedom. Uh, they hate the fact that full-blown socialism has yet to be instantiated here. That's what they want. They want nothing less than a revolutionary overturn of the entire order of things. That's how the radical left works, whether in the cultural front, in the political front, in the legal front, in the financial and economic front. It is all of a piece to them. Yeah. That's what they're aiming to do. And they've hit upon mass importation of people from sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America and other places where, you know, for all of their other virtues as, as fellow children of God and all of that, in, in the main, they do not have the least glimmering of appreciation for what the American system is, what it's about. They're not qualified to be American citizens at this point, quite honestly, okay? Um, they're welcome to come here as tourists, but that's not, that's not their aim, you know, but they're, they're, they're coming, settling in Moss. You know, it's not so much displacement yeah. as augmentation to the point where we'll get to the point where, where, where our country will be filled with an ignorant rabble of people who just, uh, who, who still, who politically and economically still hew to the ways that, that ruined the countries that they're trying to yeah. escape from. And do you think, it sounds like there's hints that Texas's leaders at least understand this. It, it took three years for them to realize it. But as Abbott has said is, you know, he's delivered letters to the president himself. He has, he's, they've done everything they could. And it sounds like they've gotten to that realization that we've been saying for, for a long time. And I remember 50, 40 years ago, that battle between uh, the John Birch Society and National Review with uh, Bill Buckley. That was what, what was, I think, the crux of it is because Bill Buckley, you know, the control opposition was saying that what is happening, the destruction of America was buffoonery, was an ineptitude, whereas we were saying this is intentional. We seem to be uh, to have that sort of parallel uh, dichotomy here is there are still Republicans, there are still moderates or whatever. They think this is just maybe ineptitude, uh, uh, whatever uh, virtue signaling. And those, the, there's those of us who are saying this is clearly intentional. And I, it's, it's, so, the, the, it's so, so bad that we no, they can't well, see well, okay, that. Okay, so, so, so do a thought experiment. Imagine that Texas's position, instead of putting up barricades, razor wire, and trying to keep people out. Imagine instead that they said, okay, you know, we recognize we've got a problem here. We would like our agents to help your agents to process all these people. Imagine they said that instead. Do you think there'd be any opposition at all? Of course not. No. Okay, the Biden is, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's what they've been In wanting other words, to do. If they've that's said, how they want to use the yeah, agents. Yeah, if, if, they, if they said, you know, well, sure, you know, Texas, you know, we recognize there's a problem, but we're confident that the federal government will sort this out and we're going to cooperate with them. Okay, and in fact, that was sort of their posture for a while. Okay, and to the extent that it was, of course, it was improved. The issue is the government, that well, Biden, the Biden administration and the radical left does not want to staunch, slow down, or in any wise impede this massive, just flow. massive unchecked flow of and millions of people. And by the way, do the math. So what, if, if this 5,000, was it 5,000 people a day limit that, that's being alleged about this yes. new bill, if, I, if that's true, then that will allow them to bring in 1.8 million more people this year, in addition to the roughly 10 million that have already come in in the last 
three years. Yeah. 10 million, which is more than the population of, only, of, of, Most of the all states. but a handful of our, of our state. It's yeah. an absolutely staggering number. Yeah, but the, the, this is not like nothing has ever happened in American history before. No, no, and and it's absolutely astonishing that there's anyone who's otherwise rational that doesn't see that this is intentional. There's no way uh, the border patrol. Well, that's just it. People are starting to are starting to tumble to it after three years. I mean, you heard border patrol saying it's clear what's happened here. The moment this administration came in, the policies changed, and 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 the invasion began and it's it's clear to, to to everyone who's down there thanks steve next up trump vows to appeal the ridiculous defamation damages he was ordered to pay hey, america how tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention but the new american magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years this is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polished Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. On Friday, former President Donald Trump was ordered by a jury in New York to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll. The jury reached its verdict in less than three hours. Trump called the trial absolutely ridiculous, and he said he will be appealing the verdict. Afterward, his lawyer, Alina Haba, went on a fiery rant outside the courthouse. Before I walked into court, that judge decided that every single defense President Trump had, we were not allowed to raise in front of the jury. It is in writing, and I encourage the journalists, the real journalists, to take the minute to look at his orders. There was no proof, and I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress, there was no DNA, there was no expert. My experts were denied, two of them, two of them were denied to come in. They didn't bring, let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? That my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend, I found out in there was paid for by Ms. Kaplan's firm, and that 
is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for. And that is why I stand with Trump. And that is why so many Americans are so proud that he is running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not allowed to be stripped of every defense that you have. You are not allowed to be told that you can't bring it up. And imagine a point where a judge tells the lawyer before your client, the former president of the United States, the leading candidate and obvious nominee for the Republican Party, before he takes the stand to defend himself, Ms. Haba, tell me the questions you're going to ask in open court and tell me exactly what he's going to respond. And then edited my questions, edited the response he was allowed to give. And guess what my client did? He took the stand. He abided by the rules of this corrupt system that I have seen. We will immediately appeal. We will set aside that ridiculous jury. And I just want to remind you all of one thing. I will continue with President Trump to fight for everybody's First Amendment right to speak. Everybody's a right to defend themselves when they are wrongfully accused and to be able to say, I didn't do it. And to double and triple and quadruple down and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. But we are in the state of New York. We are in a New York jury, and that is why we are seeing these witch hunts, these hoaxes, as he calls them. And this is another one of them. Be brought in New York, in states where they know they will get juries like this. It will not deter us. And the behavior I saw in there, some of which was reported widely today, gave us the most perfect record on appeal, and even if I needed it, which I don't. We were stripped of every defense every single defense before we walked in there. And I am proud to stand with President Trump because he showed up, he stood up, he took the stand and he faced this judge. And you know what? I'll continue to do so with him. Yes. Of course, I've spoken with the president. Ms. Hubbard, is the former president scared now of the consequences of his actions? The former president does not live his life in fear, as you've seen every single day. The former president and probably future president will continue to fight for Americans. Thank you very much, everybody. What a weird question there at the end. Is he scared of his consequences? Oh, they're hoping. I mean, there, there, there have been uncouth articles in the, in, the, in the allegedly impartial mainstream media since this lawfare began. You know, like, oh, Trump is blanking his pants. I saw one article that, to that effect. I think it was MSNBC or something like this. Yeah. All these op-eds. Oh, they, they, you know, they, they desperately want to, 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 to scare the guy. And so far, they've not been able to shade him. Yeah, well, it doesn't appear that, but it seems it's amazing to watch how I, you see a lot of these headlines and they're so suggestive. It's 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 clear that they're trying to plant thoughts and ideas and, and sentiments that the people already don't have and that there's no basis within the story themselves, within within the facts, within the reports themselves. What else? What else? Uh, what do you make of, of all this? I, I'm starting to lose track of. Of, of all this lawfare against them. Um, I totally lost track of this this one for a while there. I didn't even know this was a thing until it came up. Well, I did, but it totally, it, it wasn't really at the top of the list there of all the lawfare anyway. Well, I, I mean, what she said about them, delib- they're deliberately choosing state venues where they knew they could get people who yeah. were, on, you know, anti-Trumpers on juries and this, this kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. is absolutely true. As someone who uh, had to pay the penance of living in New York State for about, six years while I was doing my graduate work, I can attest to you, it's a horrible place. And that was years ago. That was, that was some time back. And I, but I remember moving there from, from a Western state where I'd, I'd done a, 
another degree mm-hmm. and moved to New York State uh, to a rural part, not to New York City, Ithaca area. And um, Oh, upstate there. Yeah, upstate New York. And so Tompkins County. And uh, in fact, Ithaca at one time was one of the was one of the centers of gun and arms manufacture in the United States. There's still a place called Gun Hill in Ithaca, but that's long since shuttered because the t- place has been completely colonized by leftist, you know, Berkeleyite radicals, people like this. And so, and and and, and upstate New York in general, there are a lot of fine people living there, but the state is completely dominated by Albany and downstate, you know, New York area. And as a result, it is, you know, it's, it's long nicknamed the Empire State is richly deserved. It is a place where you do not really feel like you're in America. At least I didn't. I remember, you know, everywhere you go, you see just, just an amazing number of signs telling you what you can't do. For example, the rest stops on the interstates that pass New York mm. State. You, you know when you're in New York, when you get out of the car, and there are like five different signs telling you all the fines and all the regulations and all the things that you can't do. Just a stark contrast with, with, with Pennsylvania to the south. And um, so that's just a general comment but on New York. That the and New York City is, is, is much worse. Lest we forget, New York City was the first place outside of a few of the, you know, the, um, the colonies, the South, uh, post, the post-Civil War South, um, to, to, to pass a comprehensive gun control bill, the yeah. Sullivan Act, way back in 1915. You know, so New York has, has always been far, far ahead of the curve. As, as far as you know, well, leftist that was even progressivism pre-war is pre-war of the independence days, yeah. right? It so, was, it was never mean, on on board. Yeah, so so I mean, it's no surprise. And now you know the the, the press is the mainstream media is rubbing its palms together in collective glee at the prospect that well, this week we may finally hear from the other New York. You know, the the, the thing going on in in in, in Manhattan, yeah. the district, and Trump may may be assessed hundreds of millions of dollars more in damages. There, he's referring to the effort to dismantle to basically confiscate his entire real estate holdings uh, in New York State. And in, in Florida and everything else on the part of this. You yeah. Know. So, yeah, I mean, New York is certainly carrying water for the for the radical left, but it has been doing so for a long time. And and, and frankly, I've never been much of a fan of New York City. I, you live not far. I live in central Pennsylvania, grew up there. I've been in New York a lot. Um, but it's it's always had this it, for a long time. It's had this mentality. It's not a place where, where lovers of freedom would normally go. And so it's no surprise that the likes of Donald Trump and, and other people, Rush Limbaugh before he died, moved to Florida at a certain point. They couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah. But unfortunately, Trump didn't get out soon enough, and now they're using New York against him. Well, we had business there you for know. a long time, and they're using those business dealings. They're weaponizing that. Well, against and it's him. not clear. It's not clear. I mean, the reason the left is so gleeful is that since these are state cases, it's not clear that they will be able to win any of these things on appeal. Who are they going to appeal to? A, a higher-up court in New York State. And then another higher up court in, in New, New York, York State, State yeah. and eventually get to the Supreme Court of New in York, New York uh, of New York State. And and what and I don't know. I mean, I, I I admire the sand of people like Alina Haba, but frankly, um, I, it's not clear what um, what what their plan is. I wonder if their, their plan, plan is. is basically to keep dragging this out until he wins, assuming he wins, and then they'll 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 be able. No, then to we'll f- really be in a situation because of course the Democrats will claim, well, even if he's president, you know, these court cases he's are going to continue against them. Yeah, they're they're going to continue. So. Yeah, we're in uncharted territory already, and we'll just see how much farther off course this country sails. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep on watching uh, the the Trump lawfare. We've never seen anything like it, so we'll see how this pans out. After this, our resident legal scholar Joe Overton discusses whether Texas is right to defy the Supreme Court. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? 
The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Hey, listeners and readers, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the stories we report, the way we report them, and what you'd like to hear more and less of and any other comments or questions related to the New American Daily. You can send your comments and questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. That's dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. And during our Friday episodes, we'll read some of your comments. Again, send your questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. Now, folks, we are joined by our resident legal scholar, Joe Wolverton. Hey, Joe Wolverton. Hey, Paul Dragu. How are you? Good, good. So, hey. Uh, on thenewamerican.com, you've been uh, really diving in. You've been publishing uh, articles on this uh, border clash between Texas and, and of course, uh, the federal government. And I think one of the biggest questions looming is, was Texas right to defy the Supreme Court? I think uh, when, once the Supreme Court decision came down, a lot of people said, that's it, that settles it. Apparently not Texas. So what is your legal perspective on Texas defying the federal government, and the Supreme Court? Well, first of all, Texas is a state. Therefore, Texas is one of the creators of the federal government. Therefore, as one of the creators of the federal government, it has the authority to determine to establish the limits of the authority of the federal government so long as those limits are uh, within the Constitution. And in this case, Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution explicitly uh, protects the right of the states to engage in war in the case of invasion or in the face of imminent danger. Uh, I don't, you could make either argument for Texas that they, that it is being invaded or it is in imminent danger. Either way, they are explicitly uh, protected by Article 1, Section 10 in their actions, and they're completely rightful legally and constitutionally. Joe, some, uh, some legal experts, or experts in general, I suppose, are saying that invasion, as Texas is using it, is not aligned with the way the Founding Fathers uh, meant it to be used. Apparently, the way they meant it is by a foreign army. What do you make of that? Well, that's an argument that can be made, and I myself have made that argument, uh, uh, arguing in the alternative in the New American in years past. And in this case, Paul, it doesn't really matter because there's a two-prong approach. The first prong is invasion, but the second prong is uh, imminent danger. And in this case, you can certainly make the argument that with an uncontrolled influx of immigrants, regardless of whether it qualifies as an invasion, it certainly qualifies as imminent danger. And therefore, they are still protected by Article 1, Section 10. So what, what do you make, What, where do you anticipate Biden might go from here? He had that 24-hour 
uh, deadline, that ultimatum he gave Texas. Uh, Texas said, forget about it. We're not paying attention to it. And then you had Border Patrol, I guess the union. I don't know if the union actually speaks for the entire uh, Border Patrol agency, but they pretty much came out and said, we're not going to do anything. So what if if Biden decides, to, the Biden administration decides to follow up with some sort of aggressive behavior, what could that be? Well, I think he could invoke the unconstitutional authority granted to him by the Supreme Court in the Perfect versus U.S. decision of 1990, saying that in the case of a domestic emergency, the president has the authority to uh, nationalize or federalize uh, National Guard. Uh, he could do that. I think his wisest move would be to wait for the Congress to pass some sort of milk toast legislation and then sign that so he can be seen to be straddling both sides. He can say, well, I'm against immigration, but I'm also against insurrection, as he would call it, in Texas. So I think he'll probably wait it out, wait for Congress, wait for the, you know, the neocons and the GOP to uh, give in and to come to some sort of agreement with the Democrats, and he'll sign some sort of uh, legislation that allows him to look like uh, a hero. Do you know, uh, my understanding is there's some elements of this case that are still in courts. Do you know anything about that? Um, basically, the, the question it comes down to is the Supreme Court didn't, necessarily or they didn't order texas to do anything what they said was that the border patrol has the right to uh to cut the razor wire that's that's what's being argued it's a state park it's uh there's a lot of issues about the federal ability to exercise sovereignty over what is um mm-hmm territory within texas that hasn't been federalized and i've i've written a whole article on that as well all of of it's illegitimate what do you make of this um this interesting move by abbott to it seems like he is um he's paying armed civilians to come help on the border there was a i think it was a presser or something he released thursday or friday what do you make of that have have we when's the last time we saw something like that uh, well, I'm worried that he's participating in an ev- in fomenting some sort of event that could have January 6th implications because we don't need individuals protecting the border of Texas. Texas as a state has the authority to do that. Individuals don't have the authority to do that. We've never acted in that way. The Constitution is a compact among states, not individuals. Therefore, for individuals to go down to the border in some sort of uh, misplaced nobility, uh, misplaced uh, constitutional hardline stance is actually going to play against them because it's the sort of thing that Biden and others could portray as insurrectionist and and therefore make a, a whole January 6th thing out of it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think you got a point. And, there. And that's, Abbott, Abbott is certainly not above uh, playing the good little uh, Republican for his for his superiors in the federal government. You don't think uh, Abbott's being genuine about this? No. Why? Elaborate, please. Because he's never been a staunch uh, state sovereignty supporter. 
He's been asked on several occasions to do so. He's always failed to stand up for the sovereignty of the state of Texas. Uh, I think Ken Paxton, the Secretary of State, I think he, I think he's a legitimate supporter of state he's sovereignty. He's the AG, right? Ken Paxton's the right. AG. The Attorney General. Sorry, yeah, the Attorney General. But I think that, uh, but I think that that Greg Abbott is a is a puppet and is doing as he's told, and and uh, I would be very afraid of him being uh, 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 gaslighting everyone into coming down there for the purpose of supporting Texas when in reality he's doing nothing but fomenting a January 6th type situation. Let's switch. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left. Um, the E. Jean Carroll uh, lawfare, the case anyway, what, what what are your thoughts on that? What happened there uh, this, this Friday? Well, well, basically it's a woman accused, a man of rape. The man denies it. And then when there's no evidence that he actually committed rape, then she sues him for defamation based on his self-defense. That's where we are as a nation, that if you're accused of something, you defend yourself, there's no evidence that you did that thing, then the person will pivot and will use lawfare to persecute you by claiming that you defamed him or her in your defense of yourself. And that's what's happening in this case. There's no evidence that what she uh, accused him of is true. So rather than pursue that path, she decided to pursue the path of persecution using lawfare as her weapon and defamation as the strategy. Well, and according to Trump's lawyer, as we showed last segment, uh, whatever evidence there was that this didn't happen, or I don't know if all of it, but it seemed like they were prohibited from actually introducing that. That's at least what Alina Haba said. Right, and that's the same sort of thing that this uh, this unholy collusion of judges, politicians, and the media. That's what they do. That's what they did in Minneapolis, as Liz Collin mm -hmm. showed, and that's what they're doing here. They're they're preventing people from seeing exculpatory evidence because they've decided the end before the beginning. Yeah, they got. It sounds like such a, a rigged system. It's so sad that we are in this state, aren't? Isn't it? It's true, and it's sad that you can't even defend yourself vigorously without that vigor being turned into some sort of. Uh, perverse version of of defamation. Thank you, Joe Wolverton. And thank you, everyone, thank for sir. tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. We're here Monday through Friday, every day at 4 p.m. Go to thenewamerican.com, and that's Central Time. Please join us again tomorrow. <laughs>